Hi guys, I am Brendan Witted, host of the That's Black Male Podcast Network. We have a special podcast episode uh, entitled Hiring Pod. I'll be joined by Human Resource Manager Alexander Pullen with some tips and ideas about how to uh, improve your hiring potential during these difficult times. Additionally, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. As always, you can catch my written work at hucosell.com. That's H-U-C-O-S-E-L-L. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at H-U-C-O-S-E-L-L as well. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hey man, once again, it is a. Uh, it's good to talk to you. It's it's, it's been a little minute. I'm gonna start this this conversation off like I've been starting all my conversations off, off sure. uh, whether on the podcast or not. How you doing right now? I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. Of course, these are trying times, uh, filled with uh, so many challenges, uh, and yet uh, I consider myself very fortunate to have health and strength and a reasonable portion of sanity and you know, family and stuff. So I'm, I'm making in there. How are I you? Met. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know, one foot in front of the other, man. Like it's yeah. uh it just seems like every day it presents its own particular set of challenges, but I was just thinking you're the first five single pie guy I've had on. So, uh, congratulations oh, on, uh, you. you know, being the Jackie Robinson of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of five six guys. Man, that makes me feel here. real good. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Tails up. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and just jump right into it. Um, so the the pandemic uh, has been affecting daily life for for everybody in, in the entire country for some time, and uh, the president declared a national emergency in the United States on March thirteenth, twenty twenty. And just as a, as an HR manager, what have the last three months looked like for you, especially in comparison to to what your job was, what it, what it looked like previously? Sure, sure. So I think for HR across the country and potentially, you know, our profession across the world, it's been a really interesting uh, time. Um, as, as employers face COVID-19, oh boy, sorry, there's thunder in the background. Oh, wow. Um, it's, it's coming down pretty bad out in D.C., but we're going to make it work. But as employers uh, face COVID-19, a lot of them had to think about how they do work and really reimagine it all together. Um, and so, you know, I think in my organization, we have a, around, I would say, 8,000 employees, and that includes our permanent, our temporary staff, and majority of the employees reported to campus every day. And you had to shift all of them off campus. So that was a major effort in trying to understand impact for all of your staff. It, it was a major endeavor. And then helping, helping all types of employees just really reimagine their work and how they do what they do. Uh, it's particularly interesting because I work for a university and, you know, trying to think about not only how do you teach our students virtually, but how do you teach employees? Right. How do you continue to build culture? How do you continue your check-ins? How do you help employees when their employees are dealing with a totally new world where kids are home, they're trying to make, uh, uh, houses and apartments that probably weren't built for the work that they have to do, work ready. Um, and so HR is involved in all of this. HR is trying to help leaders and employees sh- make this shift. And so 
it's been really, really, really bit busy. And like I don't, you know, I was thinking because my only interactions with HR are kind of small, right? Like, are, sure. are, you know, if you're not on on that side of the business, most of your HR stuff is like, hey, you know, orientation packet stuff or sure. maybe some changes with insurance or anything like that. But for you guys, obviously, as full time HR people, you 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 mentioned culture, like how how. Like, what do you guys usually do in order to build that up? Because I, I never really know about how much you guys are doing behind the scenes. Because usually, if you're not in HR, you're not necessarily aware of all the things you guys are doing. Right, right. So, co- when, I, when I say culture, what I think about and what I mean, at least in my role, is really trying to help um, craft and cultivate the values of the organization in alignment with their business strategy, right? And so your business is really what you do, but culture speaks to how do you do it? You know, there's, everybody can write reports, uh, everybody can give presentations, um, everybody can do technically the work that organizations have to do, but somebody has to help uh, make sure that there are values that people can lean on to, to make decisions, to be on the same page, um, and also, so not only have the values, but make sure that is in alignment with the business strategies. And so we do a lot of work with leaders to, mm-hmm. at, at the, in my organization, we have like service priorities. Uh, those are priorities that we use to make decisions. First safety, second care for people, and then third efficiency. And so my job is to help leaders and employees apply those service priorities to everyday life. Uh, help them untangle uh, the complexities of regulations and law, employment laws and, and, and day-to-day interactions like manager-to-employee interactions, interactions, employee-to-employees. Uh, in my organization, employees were students. Help them manage them and ensure that we're supporting the culture, we're supporting the purpose. Uh, and so that, that involves a lot of training. That involves a lot of brown bags and discussions uh, it involves a lot, a lot of hands-on-hand or one-on-one coaching uh, that we have to do. And so outside of the normal hiring, uh, tr- uh, development, and then separating, uh, we have to do a lot in between to make sure that uh, who we say we are, we really are. And we're making the decisions that are in the best interest of the organization. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I sure. think it does. And I also want to ask, but you, you mentioned the, like, in your case, you guys have kind of multiple levels, like with management and employee and then employee to student. But mm-hmm. in those relationships, have those changed? Or Because now everybody's interaction is primarily, I'm, uh, let me ask, you guys, are, are you guys working remotely right now? Is everybody yeah. kind of working remotely? Okay. Pretty so, much. Uh, sorry. So, so those interactions are now solely online. As right. opposed to before, they you, I'm assuming you guys had more in-person meetings and, and things like that. Is there any specific things that you have to tell your workers? Because I know I've heard some of my uh, some of my friends complain about um, because everything is 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 communicated online. You know, tone matters. Like things like right. tone and body language and all that stuff is no longer communicated. Now it's simply. Hey, I'm discussing this event with you strictly via email. I know a lot of things can sometimes get misconstrued or or lost in translation. Is that something that you all have to kind of watch for and monitor and and and, and help people with? So, uh, good question. We we should be coaching leaders to think about 
the different ways they communicate with their staff, right? Um, we, we should be coaching them to think about things like um, whether you have more meetings. Uh, some of my colleagues, their clients or the organizations they support, um, they may have more stand-up meetings. And so every morning for some organizations, they got a 15-minute meeting because they want to do a check-in. Mm-hmm. It sounds good, but a 15-minute meeting when you had three kids at home, one may have gotten sick just in general, or there's a lot of ruckus you're trying to get them together. Extra meetings right now may not really be helpful for employees. And so our job, our, our jobs as HR is to really help leaders think about those kind of things. Um, I have a, 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 a friend who supports the organization, and they made all of their WebExes or Zooms uh, mandatory for video to be on. And it sounds in one, in one sense, pretty innocent, right? Hey, want to see everybody's faces. We want to uh, connect. But again, if, if your home wasn't really telework or telecommuting ready, and now you have to have an added stress of making sure that it's presentation ready, not only your presentation ready, which we all had to do when we could go to our organizations physically, but now you have to make sure your space is presentation ready. Again, an added layer of stress that may not be necessary. And so we help them think through, how do I still build community? Because you want that. How do I still make sure we have a team uh, type engagement and still be considerate of the realities our employees are facing? And so uh, what we would do is work with what, what becomes that ratio, that balance between an email communication or if your organization has Slack or Microsoft team, you know, posting communication to make sure everybody's connected and up to speed and a video meeting versus a call versus, you know, another mode of communication. And so there's no one size fits all, but we should be helping businesses think through those strategies that are really specific to their organization. I mentioned the pandemic to kind of start off this conversation. Uh, There's been other things going on outside. Obviously there's been a a large movement for, for racial equality as it pertains to to black people in this country. Um, I mentioned the relationships and the importance of that. Is that something that uh, as an HR manager, you would address? And if you, if I don't know if you all have or not, but if you do address those sorts of things, how do you do that in a, uh, sensitive and appropriate manner. Right. So, so great question. And I will admit that I think for many, many professionals in general, uh, it's a difficult topic to address at work because most organizations aren't really set up to address social issues. Right. Um, and so HR, we're, we're not included as a profession of uh, uh, having some novelty with this 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 time in this space um i've been fortunate though to work with leaders who do want to get ahead of it they do want to say something um and the conversations with leaders typically or they've they've looked like for me at least is acknowledging a few things one speaking from the heart can go really well or not so great right (laughs) Right. Uh, so it's important for us to be authentic, speak from the heart, and yet prepare. Prepare your remarks. Have somebody, and we're, we're, I know HR folks are always willing to help out with this, have somebody review those remarks to make sure that they're, they're, they're sensitive uh, to 
to the employees and to the populations that you, you lead. Um, and to acknowledge a few things. One, no one's ever going to get it all right. No remark or no comment you put out, uh, no conversation you host will be perfect, right? And it's, it's important to acknowledge that on the front end. That way, when you do run into an issue, everyone knows what you're working with, right? Uh, but that doesn't mean you should be silent. And so we, I've been trying to encourage leaders that I work with to get ahead of it, to share from the heart, to prepare for those conversations, be mindful and thoughtful about it, and, and lead a conversation, right? Uh, and then the other thing I will, I've been encouraging individual managers is the pause after how are you? Right. Mm. Um, sometimes we, we do it as, as, you know, this, this, what's the like word? a placeholder. Yeah. Like a placeholder. We, we do it because that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, but this is one of those seasons where, with everything happening across the world and in, in, in communities of especially black folks, uh, it's important to be a little more sincere. And if you're not ready to engage in a conversation, just letting your, your employees know that you're there for them and you would like to support them and you welcome their feedback on how you can support them. I think that goes a long way during these times. I think that that's some really heady and, and, and welcome advice. Cause I think a lot of people are in, in a situation that they didn't previously think that they were going to be in. Right. Like these, right. you know, when you, the, the point of organizations or businesses in particular is a lot of times it's to make money and it's not really to, uh, like you said, address these social issues that are coming up. And right. a lot of times I'm sure that businesses would feel more comfortable not addressing them at all, but just because of just the the weight and the length of time that these issues have been going on, it kind of, it kind of mandates it. And so I, I think that's really, I think that's, that's, that's spot on just to, you know, just to be honest, prepared, <laughs> not, right. not, just, not just off the cuff. Cause everybody yeah, doesn't, everybody isn't, you know, that kind of order. Right. But, but but to be to be honest and, and to be prepared for maybe some people aren't doing great um, right. and, and to and to allow that space. I want to change it up just a little bit sure. um, with in terms of the pandemic and what is meant for not only businesses as they kind of revamp, but a lot of people are are, are without work right now. You, yeah. The unemployment numbers are, 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 are staggering. And and so I wanted to, to take this time. Kind of, you know, kind of speaking to a person that reviews a lot of resumes and, and, and is in on a lot of these conversations and, and interviews about people trying to get jobs. Um, what are some of the things that you look for in a resume? Um, has that have the things that you're looking for changed or or any or any particular pitfalls you see with people as they're applying to gigs? Sure, sure. So I, I think for me, I'm, I'm looking for two main things on resumes. One transferable skills or competencies um so you know for a lot of roles you may not you may not have had to have that exact role before but it needs to be a role where the skills that you 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 developed in that position are transferable and so that needs to be clear uh and the other part is what have you achieved right um when I was when I was pursuing my master's uh, in HR management at the Catholic University, I remember uh, one of my professors when we were having the discussion. He he was in talent development. He since retired. Uh, we were just talking about resumes and and applying for roles, 
And he asked me about my job. And I was telling him about some things I was doing. I wasn't in HR then, uh, but I was trying to get into HR. And as I was going over what I was doing, he asked me a question that I thought was really rude. Um, when I finished <laughs> my, my spiel of what I was doing in my role, he said, so what? And I thought it was so rude. Like, you just asked me what <laughs> I was doing, and I was telling you what I was doing, and you, you have the nerve to ask me, so what? He, 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 he didn't ask to be rude. He asked to make a point that uh, a lot of us just list duties on our resume, mm-hmm. and that's all well and good, but what people really want or employers really want, they want people who can do things, you know, not just do the task, but achieve things. And so it's important to, to connect what you're doing to the purpose, right? And that's why it's important for each of our jobs to understand how our role, how what we're doing on a day-to-day basis ultimately supports the mission of the organization. And if, if you don't understand that um, and you are still employed, this is a good time to have a conversation with your supervisor so that you can make those, uh, those connections. If you are no longer employed, uh, it's some time to reflect, right? It's some time you may not have ever gone through the mission of the organization or the vision of the organization. You may not have ever read a, one of the uh, strategic plans for the next five to 10 years, but this is the time to do that and connect your duties to the strategy of the organization. Because uh, that's where you really show value uh, in your achievements, not just what you've done, you know, your abilities. So that's, that's what I'm looking for. Number one, uh, or those two things. And then I think the second question you asked. Yeah. Just some, some mistakes you see when, 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 uh, reviewing or helping people with their resumes. Yeah. So that's, that's the number one mistake I see that people don't really connect their duties to their achievements. Uh, and then I see things like, we don't proofread our resume sometimes, uh, or or little things like we we may not have changed the tense of a former job, uh, so you had it in present active tense. Um, you were using active language to describe your duties, and then you left that job, got a new one, and you never went back to change the the old hmm. the old t- active tense. And so little things like that, when you're reading someone's resume, it stands out to you uh, as you're trying to understand what. They understand their experience, little things like that stand out and probably unnecessarily. So I'd like that. There are some questions that I've just always had. I, I don't even sure. know if this is like super, super relevant, but I mean, now that I got your phone, right? Uh, like, <laughs> of course, uh, the importance of the cover letter. Like I know, I, I guess it, fundamentally, I understand the importance of the resume because you want to know these skills and you want to know what they've done previously. What does the cover letter really, really signify for, for, for uh, organizations? So if, if your resume tells of your former experience and, you know, I'm saying to ask that or answer the so what question, mm-hmm. uh, your cover letter should answer the question, why does it matter to me as a new employer? Mm. Uh, it should really provide the context that shows how those skills, those achievements are a good match for my organization. It really shows how the values of you as an individual, how they match with what you know of the values of my organization, right? And so you're 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 filling in the next level of why this should all matter. Um, so it's not just for when you're switching careers, but even within the same career, uh, you you're really showing why you want to work here, you know, at this organization. And that's why it's important to, to 
work on both your resume and your cover letter and make sure they're speaking to the position you want. That's a challenging thing to do when you're applying to so many roles. You know, you're right. at some point we, we all found ourselves in a situation where we don't really care where we go anymore. We just want to get out of where we are, whether that's an organization or unemployment. We just want to get out of this. And I understand that I'm sensitive to that. And yet that's not really effective in terms of getting the job and keeping the job, getting the job in terms of, you know, when they review your resume and cover letter, does it answer those questions to help you get hired? But keeping the job in terms of, is that somewhere that you will actually fit? Do you agree with the values and their culture, uh, how they say they manage and how they say they operate? Is that somewhere where you can be happy for the next or uh, foreseeable future, you know? Um, and so cover letter uh, and resume really should speak to that job, not only to get in, but to, but to stay. Uh, I've also always wondered why job duties are so it feels like they're really kind of written like as word salad a lot of times. Sure. Like when you're looking at a lot of these jobs, it'll be like it, I mean, they just give all this information about all this other I mean, just in any and all things. And he, and you, you, you after you step back from it and after you've read it, or at least I do, I feel like I have no idea what this job actually entails at all. And I, I don't even know if you have an answer to this, but I've, I've just never understood why job duties and responsibilities, why it wasn't a little bit more clear cut, why they weren't shorter. Like they're, they're very sure. kind of run on sentences. Like I've never understood why it wasn't almost bullet point. Like, here's what you're doing. Here's what we're looking for. It, that seems like that would help the both sides. It seems like it would right. help people that are applying so that they know whether or not they, they even have these skills and the, the businesses or the organizations about uh, if, with the way that the questions are answered or would this person be even a good fit? I've just never, that part to me has never really made a lot of sense. Cause if you start looking at these jobs, duties and responsibilities, it gets really convoluted really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to try to respond to this in a way that won't get me in trouble in my professional right. or in any <laughs> yeah. position. What I will say though, is that um, everyone who writes a job description doesn't have any, 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 not education, but training in actually writing job descriptions, right? Uh, uh, in a lot of organizations, job description comes from straight from a hiring manager. And, and think about it. Just take a position like an IT position. You're, you're great in building these databases, and you can make the database do all these type of things that a lot of people can't understand. But it doesn't mean that you can easily translate uh, what you're doing every day into a job description that can show an outsider what you're doing, right? For the purposes of application, for the purposes of uh, any type of uh, workforce development or workforce planning, you know, it doesn't mean that you can always translate it. And that's a, uh, one of those instances where HR or, or the talent acquisition or recruiting team should really come in and help, help bridge the gap, right? Um, and so this is an area where HR really should be leading in translating those technical aspects of your role into something that's clearly written and, and able to clearly be understood by, you know, an applicant, by an auditor, by if, if, if uh, you ever went to litigation for whatever reason, like job scripts are typically brought into employment litigation, mm. it be clearly understood by a court. Um, and so HR should really be leading the way. And then it also takes us being mindful of, 
actually how we write. Right. <laughs> so I have the same concern sometimes. I'm not a fan of the the uh, job descriptions written in prose, you know, in, in paragraph form. Right. Uh, because I have the same concern as you. Um, this is additionally more of a general, really non-pandemic related question or anything sure. like that. But um, in terms of, is there a reason that like organizations will ask for your resume and then turn around and ask for like a detailed description of like each of the places you've worked? Because I've, I've noticed that as well. Like right. there'll be like, hey, we want your resume now. We want, which is essentially all the things that are going to be on that resume. Again, we want it written out in this form is it just easier is it because there are multiple people looking at it like what what is that so i'll put it like this um resumes tell an employer what the applicant wants the employer to know mm-hmm. an application tells the employer what the employer wants to know uh and so resumes they vary so much um and so i think applications are the way for employers to make sure they're collecting the information they really need to know uh, for instance, at my organization, we have hours work per week, right? So that tells me as someone reviewing resumes and applications, okay, you worked here, you may have worked at this place from January 2019 to December 2019, but you also worked at this other place from May 2016 to December 2019. Hours work tells me how much, how much did you work at each position, right? Uh, but without that, I don't really know. I'm taking guesses, right? I'm guessing you probably work both jobs part-time. In some cases, you may have worked one job full-time and had an entire part-time job, right? And so an application that has the question of hours worked per week tells me that. It, it fills in the gap, but you may not put that on your resume. I have it on mine. A lot of people don't. Uh, likewise, some people have resumes, and this is a personal pet peeve. I probably should have uh, brought it up in an earlier question. I, I, I'm not a big fan of resumes that do not include the months work. Mm. Um, so if your resume says 2014 to 2016, that could mean, or here, here's a better example, 2014, 2015, you could have worked two months at that job or you could have worked 24 months at that job. Right. Uh, but when you just have 2014 to 2015, I, I'm, I'm, I'm left to assume. And so uh, that's another reason why for some applications, month is a mandatory field because we have so many uh, resumes that won't give us that information. And so between the two, an application and whatever you decided was important to include on your resume, uh, employers are hoping to get a pretty good picture of you as an applicant. You mentioned the months being something that you look for because it, it gives you all some really pertinent information. Uh, yeah. I think you... I, think that was perfect because I didn't even necessarily think about it. 2014, 2015 could mean a whole bunch of different things depending right. on when when you were there and when you were leaving. Right. Are we should we still and you know we're we're I think you're you just turned 30, right? Uh 32. Yep. Okay. Oh no, yeah. See I always I can never remember how old you are because you <laughs> you are always acting like you were 50 even <laughs> in college. So it was it was, was always, true still. Yeah. It was always very difficult to try to figure out <laughs> how old you were. But like now that we're a little, you know, we've been in the workforce for a little bit, not necessarily right. a really long time, but a little bit. I know that growing up, one page was like, hey, don't have a resume over one page. Like, do your darndest to keep it to that. Is that still something that 
that people should be doing even as they gain, gain more and more uh, practical work experience? I would, I'm, I'm not a fan of the black and white one, one page resume rule. That being said, there are some people who live by that and they're actually reviewing resumes. Uh, but what I advise applicants is to make sure that your, your resume is particularly relevant for that job. Um, before I got into HR, I had a, a position in, at the State Department in contracts compliance and I had a position in health and human services and program management. Those could be relevant to HR, but they're generally not. And so at some point, because of my experience, I may really need to either condense that or just include the title, the time, and, lead, and take out the duties altogether, right? Because it's not really relevant to most of the positions I'm applying to now. And so I, I think you should always, you should always endeavor to keep your resume clear and concise uh, so that, you know, recruiters don't have to spend a lot of time. Make sure that the most important pieces, uh, for instance, if you're applying for a job based on your actual experience, that probably should be at the top. If you're applying for a job based on your education in a, in a function, your education should be at the top, right? If you're applying for a job where you know credentials are, or uh, certifications are really high, thinking about some of our IT roles, maybe those certifications should be at top. Make sure it's structured to speak to what's really important in, in the position for which you're applying. And just be concise. Be concise in your duties, in your words, but even in, in, in your total number of pages. Many of us at your and my age probably shouldn't have uh, over three. Like three is probably pushing it because mm-hmm. uh, it may mean a number of things. It may mean you have a lot of, you've been jumping around positions a lot, um, or it may mean you're not using space well on your resume. Um, it may mean a number of things, but you're in my age. I really can't imagine many people to have, unless you're, you're an educator, you're going into academia, your your resume should be probably under three. And I'll get you out of here on this because I, I sure. think there's been a ton of really good uh, information on here. Um, is there any general advice that you maybe haven't, haven't doled out yet? Because I think you've given out a lot already, but is there any advice you give for people look for work, whether it's um, in their job search or even in their interview? Um, what, what, what you think that they should definitely lead with or, or make sure they leave the interviewee or organization with? Sure. So one, one piece of advice I give to anyone, whether you are looking for work or whether you aren't, is to not underestimate building a solid network, right? Um, reaching out to people who you, you may want to be like one day professionally, uh, and getting on their calendar for 15 minutes, 30 minutes for coffee, it generally won't cost you a lot. And yet it could yield dividends in terms of the knowledge you can gain, the experience you can gain, uh, and then the connections you can gain. That's, that's going to be really crucial in, in any type of job search. And even just in your development outside of actively looking for a job. Um, and then outside of building your, your, your network, actually, actually cultivating it, you know, cultivating those relationships you have with people as well as, uh, using the network sometimes you know we you and i went to howard and it wasn't until recently that i even thought maybe i should start reaching out to some of the howard people for my next opportunity you know saying all the great things that people are doing 
It's like, well, if I went to work at this great, massive, everybody know company, Buku people from Howard are working there, right? Right. Those are those are some folks I probably should actually tap into, not just building those connections, but cultivating it, and then just cultivating those relationships. And then the other other thing is, I know especially if you are looking for a job actively right now, this is probably not on the top of your list to do, but to really think. Uh, take some time and think about what do you ultimately want to be when you grow up, right? What What's your purpose? What 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 gives you passion and excitement to get up and do every day? Uh, because I'm not confident our next the next job, wherever whoever's listening to this, whatever season you're in, I'm not confident the next job should be another just punch in and punch out type experience, right? But it should need it really needs to be somewhere where you feel like you're making a difference. You have impact. The culture aligns with your, your with your own culture. You know those values. There's a values fit there, um, and you really can feel good every day. Doing that work now translate into how you touch up your resume and translate to how what type of presence you bring to an interview. Uh, being able to really apply for roles and interview for roles you really want to be in because you feel like that's a place and that's a role where you can make. Uh, a major difference in our world. Man, thank you so much, uh, Alexander Pullen. This has been um, a, an edition of the Hiring Pod on That's Black Male Podcast Network. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at H-U-C-O-S-E-L-L for both or follow my written or aud- auditory work at H-U-C-O-S-E-L.com. I want to thank you again, Pullen. Man, it's great My to pleasure. hear from you. Same uh, here. Stay safe and stay stay good out here, man. You do the same. Thanks again. All right, bro. All right. Bye now.